Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, I'm Chow Hainer, VP of Marketing here at FMG Suite. Today, I am so excited to be talking with Laura LaTourette. She's been a longtime user of FMG Suite, and with it being Pride Month, I wanted to get her insights on how she serves and markets to the LGBTQ community, as well as women investors. So key highlights from our discussion today are, how does she help various communities with management, and how does that really go beyond managing just finances? She has many personal stories and experiences that she'll be sharing today. Also, we'll talk through how she markets to those specific segments to really offer a more personalized experience when talking to clients and prospects. And then lastly, we'll talk about the important issues that we're all facing today. How do we support more diversity and inclusion in the financial services industry? So just a little bit more about Laura. She owns an independent practice called Family Wealth Management Group. It's a financial life planning and wealth management firm in a small rural town in Georgia. And she takes her own advice to dream big and live fully. She lives on a farm with her family in the Appalachian foothills, and she's able to indulge her love of the outdoors, especially gardening, hiking, kayaking, and tending to an array of animals, including llamas. I think that sounds a great sounds like a great place to be right now during a pandemic. And then to learn more about Laura and her firm, visit her website at familywmg.com. That's familywealthmanagementgroup.com. She's also very active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and I encourage you to follow her there. Now, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Laura. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for joining today. I'm excited to kind of have a really good conversation with you as this month we're focusing on branding. And of course, there's lots of diversity and inclusion conversations going on right now. So we're excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you for having me. So I'll just jump right in with some questions that, you know, I'd like to learn more about the the start of your career and the journey that kind of got to where you are right now. So how did you get into this industry and where did you start and where have you ended up now in your business? Well, I appreciate you asking. Um, I I think like a lot of women, you know, I started in the industry because I wanted to help people. And... um, in the 80s, um, I, I really started in the insurance industry first. And uh, it was interesting because back then there was high unemployment and interest rates were really high. And both my former husband and I got laid off. My daughter had some health issues and we needed to have insurance. And so I went to work for a company that was providing the health insurance. And that's really how I got into the industry. And then a few years later, um, maybe 10 years later, later, I decided to get a divorce and live an authentic life as a lesbian. And when I came out, I realized I had no retirement plan and I had to um, leave assets behind. I didn't feel like I was the one that should take half the assets since it was my choice and um, started over again. So I started working with women in transition. And that's really how I started was something that was very personal to me and trying to understand how how I will do this, what will I do next, um, and just learning everything I could about financial services and really starting to focus on 
the holistic part of it, not just the insurance part. So I moved into wanting to be a certified financial planner. And from there, my, my life opened up and so did my practice. That's a great journey. I think it's interesting when you rediscover from your own personal experiences, right? And I think that provides you the passion and the drive to really explore this as a new career and then also be able to help those just like yourself um, in everything that you do every day too, which is nice. That's true. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people think that LGBT is a choice. And I remember having that conversation with my late father and he said, well, why are you choosing this? And I said, I am choosing to be authentic. I'm not choosing this. I'm choosing to be authentic. And I think that was something that I learned early on. And so to continue that in my work seemed most important since I was going to be working all day long. I might as well be authentic uh, 24 hours a day instead of just part of the day. Yeah, I think that's a a term that I hear a lot now. And everyone is more um, comfortable with being authentic. And this is something that you know, our clients or anyone out there expects, right, when working with a business is that authenticity. So I, I think that's so important to bring into your business. And I'm sure all of your clients do appreciate that and feel that um, as they work with you too. They do. I think that maybe we will have different journeys or have uh, things that we value more than others. But authenticity and trust seems to be um my foundation. You know, I can't work with someone if I don't trust them or like them. I have to make sure that that we're all in this together uh, because it's, you know, a very, it's just a, it's a very intimate place to be when you're talking to clients about their financial life and their future and the things they've done really well and the things they want to teach their kids and the mistakes they've made. So you, you really have to be authentic. You don't have to agree on everything. You know, I think with the unrest going on right now, you know, some people think that I don't have clients who believe things that are different than I do. And I do, but I think I'm a bridge. I think I'm part of the, the way that they learn uh, things about people or about issues that maybe they have not had experience with in the past. Yeah, so I'd love to hear more about some of the experiences. Right? So as a, an advisor that serves different communities like the LGBTQ or women investors, um, I'd love to hear what your experience has been as uh, an advisor serving those communities? Well, I think especially with the LGBTQ, um, there have been some good changes in the last few years. You know, we got marriage equality five years ago on June 15th, and that really helped to change some things for us. The conversation changed because when we're doing planning prior to that, uh, there was a lot of estate planning with trusts and things that we had to work with. And it was very difficult for clients to be able to pass on pensions or, um, you know, real estate or other things sometimes um, without it being pretty difficult. Once marriage equality passed, then we have, you know, some equal rights there. But then we have the question about, do we really want to get married? You know, now for the first time in generations, even if some people had gotten married prior to this, it's now a federal law. So do we want to get married? Well, how does it change the picture? Um, I think different generations in the LGBTQ community do it differently. You know, you've got the silence generation that are the folks that are older than I am. They're in their 70s, 80s, and they really 
remember getting fired or losing a job or uh, losing their family. And they're very quiet still about a lot of their relationships. And so they're, they're apprehensive to get married and join together legally because they're worried about what might happen and they've set everything up ahead of time so that they they would be covered. Then you've got the pride generation, which is who I'm part of. I'm 60 years old this year and we're part of the the protesters, part of the um, the way that we made things change. And so we are excited about the change and, and, and we're a lot of us um, getting married or have been married and now we're really understanding the value of it. And then you've got the millennials, you know, the younger generation have come out stronger than any generation I've seen. They say who they are. They tell you they're gender fluid. They don't necessarily just stay in what we've done in the past being LGBT. You know, so the Q has been added and, and they're more gender fluid. They're not, they're not necessarily wanting to be male, female. Um, they want to be fluid about it and have their own way of understanding things. So if they want to get married, great. If they don't, you know, that's okay too. So there's some real differences when I'm working with my clients now, depending on the generation of LGBT. So I've really enjoyed, you know, grasping that um, conversation and learning more, especially from the younger generation. And I didn't understand some of the terms. I didn't know some of the, the, uh, you know, issues that they were coming coming to me with. So I was really working, you know, primarily with the pride or the silence generation. So I've been able to um, bring in a younger generation now in the last couple of years, which has really been exciting for me. And then with women, you know, I've always been a scrappy entrepreneur, strong woman, um, outspoken. So I tend to bring in that type of woman. Uh, well, two types, but one type usually, you know, she's independent. She might have been married once or twice. Uh, she's the one who um, oftentimes is the breadwinner and makes a lot of the financial decisions. And then I do have the clients that um, men who've known me in the community will come in, you know, as they are getting older and say they don't want to handle everything anymore. They want to make sure that their wives are taken care of. And maybe in that generation, the wives did not know as much about financial information. So they kind of hand it off to me as the the next person to take things because they know they'll probably be the one who passes away first. So there's some real interesting uh, different types of people I'm working with right now. That's fascinating. Um, because when I look on your website too, it's hard to speak to all audiences because you do serve such a variety of different um, types of clients. So uh, how do you refine your marketing that speaks to your specific um, or, you know, specific groups that you serve, but then also all the different groups you serve? So how do you approach that when you refine your marketing message and um, your brand? Well, one of the things that we've done is we have built out um, some target marketing for women, uh, for LGBT especially. Uh, those are the groups that I'm really interested in building in the next 10 years. So on our website, we do have a, a tab at the top that says our community. And within that part, we've got a women's page. We've got LGBT. Um, we've got um, entrepreneurs. You know, that that's how we segmented out. So when we are talking 
talking to someone on the phone as a prospective client, um, my my team knows that if it's a woman and she says, you know, I'm divorced and I'm getting ready to retire and I need to talk to Laura, then the company brochure we send her is the women's brochure. Um, we also have, you know, another document that's called Discovery that we like to send out ahead of time before I even talk with them. And again, all the pictures and, and um, the way that we send out the templated um, email is, is all geared towards women. And then with LGBT, we've done the same thing. So that when you are talking to one of us and you're wanting to see, do we fit with you? I do bring them onto my website. Um, it used to be in the office on a screen on the wall in the conference room. Now it's actually, you know, when we're doing Zoom meetings or even just phone calls, I ask them to pull up my website and, you know, look at this. This is who we are and what we do. And I think that that helps them to get more comfortable because I'm speaking their language and their language is my language, you know. Um, so, and the other thing about my website, I do have family on it. So my grandkids and uh, my wife's mom, um, she was on there. We have been caretakers. Um, so, you know, there's some things that I'm always adding to my website to make sure that if it was something that we've been going through or we've had discussions, I find articles and I find information, brochures, worksheets that I can put on my website and ask people to go to the website for good information. And so I think that's how we're targeting. Uh, when you think of niche marketing, we are targeting conversations, marketing pieces, and even what I post on social media. You know, my Twitter account is a younger audience that I'm attracting there. So I might be more radical in my um, social posts. Most of my elder clients are not on Twitter. Maybe someone else's are, but mine aren't. My elder clients are on Facebook. So on Facebook, um, because I'm a gardener and I live on a farm, I post a lot about canning and farming and gardening and those types of things. And then also maybe long-term care or, you know, grandparents, uh, special needs and those kinds of things. So that that group um, is sees that part of me and then on LinkedIn is my professional peer group and really there I'm trying to support and mentor LGBT financial planners or those who want to get into the industry as well as women and trying to see you know people of color and how we're going to build diversity and I focus my social media posts on LinkedIn towards that market. I like that. I, I, I think you know, as we, especially now, right after a pandemic, digital marketing is more important than ever. But what you're doing is actually personalizing all of your marketing too. So through the brochures you send them, actually how you use some of the different social platforms. I love that. Twitter, younger audience. Facebook, more personal, right? So you can connect on a more personal level. And LinkedIn, I love how you're using that as more as a mentorship for others in the industry. Um that's fantastic. So I think you can speak to many different audiences through different channels and you're using them appropriately that uh, where those audiences happen to be. Uh, I love that because I think that's very helpful tips for any advisor, right? No matter who they serve or how they run their business, these are helpful tips to help personalize their marketing a little bit more. Because like you said, you're not going in the office anymore. So this is how people are communicating and interacting with you as an advisor. 
Right, exactly. And when I send somebody information, I don't necessarily just send them to the home page. You know, if it's LGBT, I want them to go to my LGBTQ page. I want them to see it. I want them to see a picture of my wife and I and really understand what what my voice I feel is um, in not only the community, but in the national discussion. I want them to see that. I want them to see that I'm a certified lesbian owned company. And why is that important? You know, um, I'm also a sage ambassador. I want them to see that so they can see that I'm an activist in that area. And if they need someone who understands what their life is about, I do just from an organic place. And I'm not afraid to say it. So, um, you know, that's some of the things that I think are really important on on my website and just who I am and what I'm doing. Now, that doesn't mean that I might not have someone else from, uh, you know, a more conservative uh, lifestyle, husband and wife. Um, You know, if they happen to look at my information, that's fine with me. I I don't care. If they have a problem with it, then they shouldn't be a client. You know, I mean, that's that's who I am as a person. But I think it's important when people get to know who you are and are looking for a way to connect, especially right now, that um, you give them that connection first. And so with LGBTQ um, and diversity and inclusion, I'm like, okay, this is what what I've said in the social uh, world. This is who I am. Um, And if you want information, Google me. You know, you'll find uh, some of the things that I've done. And and if it works for you, works for me, let's talk. If it doesn't, I'm not... I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I've seen a stat out there that I think over 60% of investors or so, when they look at an advisor and, you know, for the most part, you know, your services are generally the same. You help them manage their money. You help them plan for retirement. You help with their insurance needs. Um, so they can't tell the difference. So it's when you're more specific, I think the more that they can relate and want to work with you. And I think, having that um, solid value prop on your website. Like you said, you know, if they are not comfortable with that, that's not really who you want as a client anyway. It kind of helps self-weed out those clients that you don't necessarily want to work with. And then it also welcomes those who appreciate and want someone with that specialty to serve them as well. True, true. And I'm really interested in underserved you know, communities and trying to bring everyone to the table, because I think it's time to normalize the conversation about, you know, diversity and inclusion. And, you know, we, we can't continue just to say, we're going to do it, or we put a couple of people in a marketing brochure, we need to really be having concrete conversations on how are we going to support and promote uh, people who have not had, you know, main stage, high profile, discussions um, with people in our industry. So I'm very passionate about not only, you know, building my clientele, but helping the financial services industry keep moving forward to equity and help to continue to have it a normal conversation that all people, no matter what their, uh, if they're LGBTQ or people of color, that we, you know, start to embrace the whole conversation. That's great. So, you know, talking about more of the personalization that you do, I'd love, you know, I always love hearing stories about advisors. I mean, that you truly do make a difference in clients' lives. And um, is there a story that you'd like to share that has been particularly rewarding and, you know, why you're doing this, why you're in this profession and why this is so important for you to help your clients? I'd love to hear a, a story where that has, you know, 
changed someone or helped someone's lives? Uh, yeah. So years ago, I was a hospice volunteer for two years. And um, some of the hardest, most rewarding work I've been involved with. And I was just a volunteer, which was a person that is on the team and uh, typically will help a family uh, with respite, you know, and I would be assigned a person and would go once a week for two, three hours so that the caregiver could go out and, you know, maybe get her hair done or shopping or, or do something else. And so through that experience of several um, patients that I was a part of the team with hospice, I learned that I was able to be an advocate and help understand the tough conversations sometimes we have to have in our family units. So I seem to be that person um, that my clients depend on for me to be the advocate. And whether it's um, a family who's struggling with alcohol abuse or drug abuse, and the, the parents are fighting, trying to decide how to get the estate planning finished, but they don't want to, uh, you know, maybe discriminate against one child because they're having some mental health issues, but they also don't want to leave the money to someone who's going to, you know, run through it. We have honest conversations um, and, and over and over deep conversations. So I, I tend to be that advocate who says, okay, where's the tough conversation? Let's have it. And so I think my clients, and especially in this community, they have realized that I'm the one that can help when something's needed. So uh, before marriage equality, I had a uh, a gay couple who had been with me about 13 years and one of them was passing away and he was at a hospital and his uh, partner called me at seven in the morning in tears and said that the doctors would not take him off life support until he was able to tell them. And I said, did you give him the healthcare directive? And he said, yes. And I said, well, um, that healthcare directive gives you the, the right to make the decisions for your family. And he said, well, the doctor said it is attorney mumbo jumbo. So I thought, well, this is clearly discrimination. Um, you know, how do you work with this kind of thing? And so I put a suit on and I went to the hospital and we had a conversation with the doctor. And uh, through much prodding, I did get him to put a DNR on the door and let this man off of life support. And we called in hospice. And hospice came into the room and looked at me and started discussing things with me. And I said, well, no, that's that's his partner over there. This is the person, you know, that you really should be talking with. And then he, the hospice nurse said, is there any of his family that I need to contact? And so I get angry. I, you know, said, you know what? They have been partners, you know, over 16 years. And this is his family. This is who you talk to. And she looked at me kind of surprised because she thought she was being nice. You know, if, you know, who should we contact? And I thought, you have no idea. But you wouldn't do that to a husband and wife. You would say to the wife, I'm so sorry, you're losing your husband. What can we do? And, you know, how do I support you? And so um, after that day, I thought, you know what, I have to focus on LGBTQ rights. I have to focus on LGBTQ advocacy. I have to understand and learn more uh, because some people are, are worried about what's going on, but they can't stick up for themselves. 
Um, and I thought, you know, if that ever happened to me, I don't know if my partner could. She's now my wife, but this was prior. So I really got energized with that and joined SAGE. SAGE USA is a organization that gathers a lot of data about LGBTQ and educates people about our healthcare concerns and that sort of thing and started really learning more and educating myself and understanding more things about the issues in our community and and just became passionate. Um, then when marriage equality happened, I, you know, again, became passionate about the idea of what's the difference between what we had before and what we have now. So um, I think it energized me. I'd been in the business, gosh, for years and years. And it helped to really bring me back into social consciousness and what do I want to do and what's my story? What's my legacy? And in 10 years, what will be different in this industry if I have anything to do with it? And so, you know, I think there's a lot of good we can do for clients. The investments might be a commodity, but what we do and how we do with the lives of others and how we impact them with their relationship to money is is something that that we can build a legacy on that's that's thank you for sharing that story because you're exactly right you know the financial part planning part is just a commodity but what you just that story you explained to me is like wow you are someone's you know trusted financial advisor but you are there in such a a personal moment in there trying to help them and advocate for them and just trying to take care of just what do you deal with as a partner as they're passing those types of things? You know, that's, that's beyond helping someone uh, with their financials. That is someone just being there um, to kind of provide that support and that relationship building. I think it's important. Advisors businesses are all about relationships and, you know, it is more than just planning for finances. So, that's that's an incredible story and in how you were able to help uh, those clients too. And then that's why everything had to continue to get um, a, an increased awareness. You know, I had uh, LGBTQ information on my website, but it was under the tab of Modern Families. And I thought, why am I hiding this? This is who I am. And I don't hide it in an intimate setting or in my clientele. I'm going to just come out nationally. Um, that's when I joined the Diversity and Inclusion Council with LPL because they were just starting that in the beginning of 2018. And I would go to women's conferences and there's no lesbian discussion. There's discussion on divorcees, on widows, on single women, but there's nothing about lesbians. And I'm like, you know, where are the lesbians? We are here. Guess what? Um, and same thing at, you know, the conferences with the workshops, you might have something tucked in a corner at the end of a workshop on modern families. And there's some little segment for two minutes, but it seemed like an uncomfortable conversation. So, when LPL said, you know, are you interested or if anyone is interested in being on the council, they, they spoke out at a women's conference. If anyone's interested, let me know. And I'm like, you don't want me on there if you don't want my opinion, because <laughs> I am interested <laughs> and I have something to say. Um, they have been very wonderful about building out uh, LGBTQ 
LGBTQ platform um, and teaching allies. And we built an educational platform for financial advisors and we built out the marketing and, you know, we built out the process and, and how to be conscious about what goes on in our community if you've just never experienced it how do we help you understand who we are and it has been a wonderful wonderful uh place to to be able to have my advocacy so um i think you can do it anywhere you know also with investments i use esg or social sustainable investments and so you're going to see i think a lot of the discussion with that type of investing in the next 10 years happening um so even though investments are a commodity and and that whole piece is is getting reworked. Um, you'll also see, I think, uh, people helping to understand how do I want what I do for investments to impact um, my social values. And we'll be seeing some of that discussion, I think, going forward as well. Yeah, I, I love seeing the industry. You know, I've been in financial services now for most of my career also. And typically, I mean, we've noticed I go to conferences too, and I don't see... Um, these things that are, you know, more um, focused on women, right? Supporting and networking with each other or LGBT, like you mentioned. So now it's great to see some big players like LPL and other broker dealers, like really making a concerted effort to make that change. And there's still, it's still so relatively new um, that I'm sure you would agree that there's still so much more to be done. Um, But this is kind of the first step, like, creating these councils, pulling in individuals like you that have a passion around this. And really all of us need to take a step back and challenge ourselves to educate ourselves a little bit more and understand how to address these issues right now that, you know, people are starting to just really talk about. Yeah, yeah, I believe that that's the way to do it. And, uh, you know, you, you have to listen, you have to listen a lot and then do your own education, you know, not depend on a person of color or LGBT to educate you. Mm-hmm. You know, we can lead you to the places, but Google can help you find whatever information you're looking for. And so I think to have these study groups and have these places where we can gather and we can see each other. I know the first time we had a pride event, uh, diversity and inclusion, I think it was called to begin with the first year at our major conference, there were maybe 45 people this last year um, in 2019, we had like over 400 and uh, you know, you just see it grow that way. And, and everybody's just so excited that, that, you know, they have a place for LGBTQ out in the open. It's on the agenda. Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, kids at a new kindergarten or something. And um, so, you know, I think it's a positive thing. I think it's optimistic. I think it's, uh, you know, we're stronger together. Diversity makes us strong. It doesn't take away from anyone. And our different viewpoints when we get together, our experiences is what makes us, you know, stronger, better people to serve the clients that we want to attract and to spend, you know, a relationship time with. So, you know, it, it is valuable for all of us. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was going to ask some questions like what some of the things that we could do to bring more diversity. I think you answered those already with typing, um, putting together these uh, kind of opportunities, right? And putting these on the agenda and it's grown. So any other tips on how to bring more diversity into the into our industry that's typically you know it's a male-dominated industry we don't have a whole lot of women advisors either and then now who support you know like 
LGBT community, everything like that. Any other ideas that you could recommend? Well, of course, mentorship is always um, something I think, you know, with the younger groups, they're connecting with their peers and, you know, hopefully getting mentors with their peers. But I think we need some intergenerational mentorship, um, definitely, so that they can understand how do they identify how they want to spend their day? How do they choose how their career path is going to go in this industry? Because you really can choose um, how you want that to look, whether it's, you know, a remote business, a national business, um, a niche business, um, you know, just those kinds of things. And then I think, you know, with the corporations, they need to look at lowering or waiving fees for people coming in, the younger generation, supporting how to get licensed. You know, those of us who are silo, um, you know, financial planners, it's hard for us to take a chunk out of our income to be able to support a new person coming in, but we don't always want it to be sales driven, right? So if it can't be sales driven, then how do we give them the time and experience they need to create a business, you know, so that balancing act is really hard. I think corporations uh, can help invest in that. I think they can start, you know, putting money in that area, uh, putting people um, in diversity on the platforms, on main stages, on the high profile things that they do um, in, in the social world. I think that's important. And just continuing to normalize the conversation and educate allies so that, you know, when we're looking at somebody's corporate brochure or website, LGBT and people of color should be in there. It shouldn't just be a separate thing on the side. You know, it's it's part of who we are. Um, you know, I know that there's been a lot of spotlight on the DNI councils and this and that, you know, here recently. I, I would love to see that just become part of the advisory council. And, you know, we definitely want to see that, you know, more and more people who are skilled and educated and, and well-deserving continue to get those top positions and um and start promoting that and not be afraid of it you know so right. i think those are some of the ways i think that's fantastic and to your point yeah this is this is a norm a new norm that we all need to focus on right it's not just some concentrated effort um in a short amount of time this is just something that needs to be um incorporated as a normal business practice too and that's right. how we can and just start because that. I'm a lesbian, you know, that's the thing I think is so interesting. I'm lesbian, but I can still work with heterosexual couples that might be in a more conservative political position than I am mm-hmm. because I, I can be their bridge and we can have conversations, trusting conversations. I don't have to just work with lesbians or I don't have to just work with LGBT. And it should be the same thing, you know, with other advisors um, that they should be working with people they're comfortable with and they enjoy working with and they are you know building a trusting relationship whether they're lgbtq or are people of color it should not you know be such a big deal you know this whole niche thing kind of makes me nuts um but we're not there yet that's why we have to build out these things and we have to give some focus on that, um, how to bring people of color into your practice, how to bring LGBT, what are the issues that people have when they don't have generational wealth transferred to them 
in many of these areas. So, you know, it is different. Um, and so I think that it's just a matter of continuing to educate. And I know there's a lot of financial advisors and, and CFPs that are working towards this, um, not just those of us who are in the um, underserved communities. There's a lot of people working with us together. Yeah, it's definitely good to see. So um, it's promising for all of us. So it, it, it's good. It all right. Well, I think that's everything I wanted to talk through today. Again, Laura, thank you so much for your insights. I think this could help so many others um, understand more and um, just celebrate, you know, a, a diverse group of you know, peers, clients, and just um, uh, a diverse world that we live in. So, well, Chow, I appreciate you contacting me and connecting with me. I've really enjoyed working with FMG on all of the projects we've worked with from the beginning and creating our website according to who I am and what I want to do. The graphic designers were just incredible. And then every time there's a new service, we try it out. And some of them we, we do take and some of them we say, well, maybe later. But I just really appreciate all the um, support, service, um, everybody working together, you know, on, on your team to help my team. So thank you so much for putting out this kind of web, you know, um, podcast as well, because I think it's important to continue these kind of conversations. And, you know, uh, all of us work together in the financial services industry to make it a better, better place. Agreed. Well, thank you again, Laura. You're welcome. And we'll be seeing you in social media. Yes. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Market Emotion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right now.